The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Good evening and hello again, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk New York on WGBB here in Merrick, Long Island, New York. Bill Donahue here. I'm taking you through the first hour on this 19th day of February. The year is 2023, in case you just landed on the planet. Our engineer, Brian Graves, is across the way, as always. I'm happy to welcome you aboard. Glad you could join us. We've got a great show lined up for you tonight, as always. Leading off, we'll speak with a member of the 1986 World Champion New York Mets, now the skipper of the Long Island Ducks, Wally Backman, will join us. And in the second half, we'll welcome in former Mets Southpaw John Neese, and we'll talk some baseball with John. Baseball is back, folks. Pitchers and catchers have reported this week. Everything is in full swing, pardon the pun. So sit back, relax, get comfortable, enjoy this edition of Sports Talk New York tonight on GBB. We always have some great people, some great sports talk for you up ahead. Just want to remind you, on social media, we're out there on Facebook. You can find us, give us a look, and give us a like. We're on LinkedIn. You can also find us on Twitter at WGBB Sports Talk, and you can follow me on Twitter at B Donahue. WGBB and all past shows. If you miss one, don't worry. They're going to be out on the website the following day, so you can listen to them at your leisure. Well, our first guest, best remembered, of course, for being a spark plug at the top of Davey Johnson's lineup for the 1986 World Champion New York Mets. He's now the skipper of the Long Island Ducks, and I'm sure he's getting his club ready for the upcoming Atlantic League season. But he's been kind enough to spend some time with us tonight on Sports Talk New York. I'd like to welcome in Wally Backman. Wally, good evening. Good evening, Bill. Great to have you with us, Wally. Now, growing up in Oregon, who were your baseball heroes back then? You know, it, it's kind of funny. You know, I was a Harmon Killebrew fan. I was a wow. Rose fan, actually. And, and the, the best part about it was I, I actually got to play against one of them, and that was Pete. Right, yes, yeah, sensational. Two two great guys that you picked out there, Wally. Now, your dad played in the Pirates organization, I read. Right. Yeah, and the, you said your parents really instilled the desire to win in in you. I, I think so. You know, I mean, from my from my father to to, to my older brother, um, it was all about you know being the best you could be and. Yeah, the, the number one goal was winning at all costs, yes. Yes, okay. Now, you played mostly at shortstop when you started out. Your defense improved when you moved over to second base. Was there anyone in the minors who helped your your ascension through the Mets system? Well, well, I, I would probably give a lot of credit. You know, I tore my rotator cuff, and that's why they moved me over to second base. But, you know, Buddy Harrelson, Bobby Valentine were two big influences on me when I during my years with the Mets. You, you came, you, I think you became kind of disillusioned in, in the Mets system, but then you got to Tidewater, you met Davey Johnson, and he really got you back on track, didn't he? No, Davey did a great job. Davey was uh, uh, an honest, 
baseball person that said, you know, that, that I can remember meeting Davey in Hawaii after I played in AAA for Davey when I got sent down from the big leagues. And he said, uh, I'm interviewing for the Mets job, and, and if I get that job, he says, you're going to be my second baseman. And he held to it, and the rest is kind of history. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, we've had him on the program, a, a real good baseball man, Davey Johnson. Now, you made your major league debut playing second base against the Dodgers out of Chavez Ravine. You got a base hit in your first at bat. Claudel Washington scores. Do you remember that at bat, Wally? Yes, I do, 100%. I can remember the, the first pitch that was thrown to me was right down the middle. I couldn't swing the bat, and I kind of backed out of the box and was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> and, and yes, I did. I got to hit my first at bat and, and, uh, I think my third at bat was the biggest at bat I hit. I hit a ball off the wall and, uh, I got a double and drove in a run. I scored on that play and Joe Torre met me at the top step and told me that you, that should have been a triple. And he was right. It should have been a triple because I could run, but. I wasn't known for power, but I hit it good, and I thought it was going to be a home run. And you know, Joe's a big man. He met me at the top step and told me, and I, 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 I want to believe that I ran hard from there on out. Yeah, uh, another good baseball man, Hall of Famer Joe Torre. That is for sure, Wally. Now, how did you feel when Frank Cashin brings in Tim Tuffle to platoon with you? How did that make you feel? Well. It- you know, I mean, of course you want to play every day. Um, you know, I, I look back at it, and I think Frank did the right thing to make the team a better team. Um, you know, there was competition between me and Timmy um, for playing time, and it was good competition. It was amongst the team, and it, it, it made the team better. And I think after looking at it over the years, uh, if you look at the production that Tim Tuffle and I had combined as a second baseman, our stats are pretty big. Yeah, and, it, it uh, worked out. It was, it was a big, yeah, it, everything worked out, you know. But but again, you know, everybody wants to play every day. Um, sure. But, you know, Davey and, and, and Frank was a great baseball band, without a question. And, uh, you know, Davey was a winner, and he knew what it was going to take to win. And, you know, I, again, I can say I was young back then and, and I didn't like it, but you look back at it in time and, and go, it was the right thing to make the team a better team, for mm-hmm. sure. Very good, Wally. Now, we'll go to 1986. Uh, of course, the game in the Houston Astrodome that took, uh, all night to finish. I remember we went out after work. We said, let's go down and watch the end of the Mets game. We were there till, till 10 o'clock at night and, uh, right. we, uh, loaded, you know, <laughs> because yep. we had to stay there all night. Now, what was the feeling on the bench? What was your feeling being in that game, Wally, being a part of it? Well, I think, I think the, the feeling amongst the players were, that we really needed to win that game because we knew that we had to face Mike Scott the next day. And Scott had come up with whatever kind of pitch you want to call it. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, there was a lot of different thoughts amongst players that were were worried about Mike Scott. I really wasn't worried about Mike Scott. I had a 
pretty good career against him offensively. And but you know he had dominated as as well that year. So um, you know it was it was a big game for us and. You know, we bit and fought and clawed and did everything we could to win that game, and we came out on top. Yeah, uh, uh, one of probably one of the, the greatest games in postseason history in in, in the major leagues. Uh, the, the, I think so. The World Series now we're playing the Red Sox. Uh, game six there is 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 another story in itself. You ended up uh, leading off that tenth inning. Fly out, left field, I fly, fly out to Jim Rice. You're going yep. back to the dugout. Wally, what's on your mind? I was thinking that we just played the worst series of the season. Oh, man. I think Houston was a, a, it was a, the biggest series that we played, and getting through the Houston series, it was almost like a sigh of relief. And, and going into game six in the World Series, it was like, God, we should, we should never have been in this situation. Um, we just kind of let all the stuff in Houston that happened uh, become the whole story, but there was still one part we had to finish. And fortunately for for us, we you know got a couple of big hits and 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 we won the World Series. Did you stay in the dugout, Wally, for the rest of that inning, or did you go back to the clubhouse? No, I was in the dugout. I was in the dugout thinking that we just played the worst, whatever, five or six games of the season in a row that we had played, even though we came back after uh, games one and two, after lost games one and two, and came back and played well. But, you know, the, the history, it, well, it didn't repeat itself that year, but, but we were able to come back and win. We lost those first two games in New York and had to go to Boston and won those first two games. And again, after we won the first two games in Boston, game five there was like, okay, we're going to go back to New York. And we kind of seemed like we kind of slacked a little bit. And Boston was a great team. There was no question. Um, but we got ourselves, our, our whole goal going into game three in Boston was let's go home. Let's mm-hmm. go home and finish this thing. Right. And uh, so game five was a little bit of a letdown to us, you know, and we knew we were going home to finish the series and play in front of our home fans. And that's really what we wanted to do. And thank God we were able to to finish something with two outs and nobody on and, and uh, come back and win that game in game six. Another famous game that will go down in the annals of Major League history as a great postseason game. I don't know if you've seen it, Wally. MLB, uh, they have uh, two shows with Bob Costas and Tom Verducci, and they talk to Calvin Chiraldi, Bruce Hurst, Mookie's on, on the show. Then they do another uh-huh. one with Billy Buckner. And it really, it, some great stories come out, especially on the Red Sox side. When Clemens comes out of that game, whether he had a blister or not, or whether, whether he could go back out there. Uh, he came out clean-shaven. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he went back and shaved for the cameras. Yeah, and yeah. I, be- I believe Keith noticed that first. And and uh, Roger had said something like, uh, "What's he talking about? He was back drinking a beer in the, <laughs> in the clubhouse. <laughs> right. Who cares if I was shaved or not?" But uh, the awful lot of controversy. And uh, a guy you got a feel for, and especially when he was on on that 
on that show is Calvin Chiraldi. I mean, he came from the Mets system. Uh, the whole story about Kevin Mitchell knowing what was, what he was going to throw him. And the, the, the guy looked just dejected all these years after that. And he, he still looked down. It was terrible. <laughs> no, no, it was, it was a, it was a great series. I think that one of the biggest key plays in the whole series, of course, the, 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 the air by Buckner was huge, but a lot of people forget that Dave Stapleton, because Buckner had those bad Achilles tendons, was the guy that, that came in for defense for Buckner late in the game during the season. And, uh, John McNamara, I think, wanted to leave Buckner in there because he had, you know, he was a veteran player, uh, but he was playing on bad legs or right. bad feet or whatever. And, uh, it, it, I can't tell you that Dave Stapleton would have made the play. I think the play to Buckner, I think if, if, uh, he catches the ball, I don't, I still don't think they get Mookie at first base. Right. But Neither that run Mookie. might not score and it right. goes to the next hitter. So, uh, there's another, another caveat in that, that whole, uh, uh, f- famous, uh, play there is McNamara says that, uh, Stapleton was known as shaky on the ball club and that he didn't want to put him out there and he went with his best player and uh Bruce Hurst and Calvin Chiraldi never heard Stapleton called by that name and uh of course John McNamara is no no longer with us but uh just some some uh Great stories there that came out from that show. But uh, as you say, oh, yeah. the Wally, the rest is history. It went down in our favor. The the old ballpark was, was shaken, and uh, that was shaky with Shea Stadium that night. <laughs> and, yes, and it was. Now we'll go on to 1988. Now, of course, you guys win 100 games. You win by 15 games over the Pirates. Of course, the, the Dodgers are, are your next uh, foe. That season, you had a good series. I think you hit 270, a uh, couple of RBIs. What do you guys say when you get together about 1988, or is it not really discussed uh, amongst you it's guys? Discussed a little bit, you know. I mean, you know, you think about that year, and, and we played the Dodgers 12 times during the regular season. We beat them 11 out of 12 times that year. Right, and that's why baseball is such a great sport because. You just don't know what's going to happen. Oral Horsheiser had a great series against us. He he basically owned us uh, when he pitched against us, and he he was able to pitch in all those games that that, that they won. And you know, we 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 were. I was shocked that we lost to the Dodgers because we had beat them eleven out of twelve times during the regular season. There were some close games during those twelve games, but. Um, you know, you go in with all that confidence, and that's why baseball's such a great game because you just don't know. As they say, Wally, you know, some, that's why they play the games, right? <laughs> that's that's why there's no time limit in baseball, and that's what makes baseball a great sport. Exactly, and uh, for you folks that uh, weren't around then, the Mets lost to the Dodgers in, in the NLCS that year. Uh, they were heavily favored, as Wally uh, brought out. But uh, just one of those things, and uh, go back and, and look at some of those ball games, folk. You'll really enjoy it. Now, leaving New York for Minnesota, Wally. What are your thoughts then? It was a nightmare. Yeah, I thought I went back to the minor leagues. Oh and man! As much as I, 
Minnesota is, was a great place to play. It was nice there, but going to the American League for the first time, you got to think back. You know, the the stadiums in the National League were pretty new. You go to Cleveland, the paint is peeling off the the seats in the outfield. Yeah. Baltimore was a dump. There was just places it wasn't it wasn't what I was used to when I first came to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. You know, I played in Dodger Stadium, my first game in the big leagues and you're playing in front of fifty five thousand fans and I played where there was no fans at Shea Stadium hardly. Right, back then. You could yes. see all the ushers in the orange T shirts or whatever and, and that's what you seen, but it was it was different. It was way different because you know, there was no interleague play then. So it made it a lot different, you know. So you didn't pay attention as a player to the American League. And, and, uh, but anyway, I didn't. And so you get there, it was like starting completely over. Yeah. And so I wasn't an American League guy. I liked the National League style more so. That's why I went on to Pittsburgh in 90. Mm-hmm. Uh, to play for Jim Leland because I just, I was offered a contract for three years to go back to Minnesota and I just, I didn't like the style of baseball that was in the American League at that time. That wasn't my style of baseball. Right. Good thing you were able to do something about it, Wally. That, that, that's excellent. Now, when did you decide that you wanted to manage and who really influenced your style of managing? I know you mentioned Davey. Jimmy Leland was another great one. Who really had an influence on on how you went about managing the ball club? I, you know, I have to say I played for some of the greatest managers: Joe Torre, Jim Leland, Davey Johnson, Lou Pinella in Seattle. But I'm going to say that it was Jim Leland because Jimmy used to sit me down in Pittsburgh, and I was only there one year. And if I wasn't playing, it was funny because they had Jeff King there at the time, and. Uh, Shit, I'd never played third base, and Jimmy called me on the phone and wanted me to come sign as a free agent in Pittsburgh, and I was like, Jimmy, I've never played third. He says, you, you can figure it out. <laughs> and I went and played for him, and days that I wouldn't play, uh, Jeff King, of course, was a big prospect at the time, the number one pick, and, and uh, Jimmy would say, okay, what would you do in this situation, Wally? And I said, well, I'd tell him what I would do. He'd say, no, you're wrong. you got to do this. For, the, for your matchups later in the game. and uh, I learned a lot from, from Jimmy Leland in one year, probably more than I learned from anybody over a lot of years. You know, now Davey is, was one guy that I would never disrespect. Uh, I learned a lot from that man, but I was younger then. But when I got to Pittsburgh and I played for Jimmy Leland, I started to understand the game a little bit more and, Jimmy's the one that told me, he says, Wally, he says, you're going to manage someday. And from that point on, I thought, you know, my career was starting to come to the back end, back end. And I thought, in the end, I took a couple years off and I says, I got to try this. Mm-hmm. And I did it and I love it and I, I still love it and I, I, I want to win. And, you know, you got to have the heart and desire to, to do everything to, to try to win. At all costs, so it's, it's, I enjoy what I do. You do, and it shows, Wally. Now, your days with the 51s, the Las Vegas 51s, of course, AAA and the Mets, what they were doing with their AAA in Vegas, we'll never know. 
<laughs> but I tried to get you on the program with me back then, Wally. I, I wanted to uh, invite you to be my guest. I was told you weren't available by, I, I think it was the media relations guy in Las Vegas. My feeling was that they just didn't want you on the air. Did, did you have... Did. You're, you're, you're 100% right. Yeah. And, and it all goes back to one individual that, uh, I would have to call at two o'clock in the morning because at 11 o'clock at night in Las Vegas is two o'clock in New York in the morning and to call to see who I could talk to and who I couldn't talk to. And it was, it got to be enough to where I couldn't talk to the reporters that I'd known as a player for 20 plus years that I could not have the conversations with them that, that I wanted to have with them. You right. Know, and tell them what was going on. And, uh, you know, without disturbing the organization, it was just really heavily influenced by an individual that, that, uh, wanted it have the show i guess i don't know exactly what it was and why it was that way but i guess sometimes when people are empowered in different ways they want to control everything and that's exactly what they wanted to do with me control who i could talk to and who i couldn't talk to and in the end that that just wasn't for me right yeah that's what i figured wally and uh do, do you want to mention his name should i mention it or <laughs> Well, everybody, everybody knows it, and, and uh, but he's the guy. Yeah, that's he's the, the guy. He's still there. He's still he's still a he's person. involved. That's yeah, been, you know, good for him. And and uh, yeah, um, you know, I, I see the people that the Mets have brought on and have brought back this year, and I looked at their AAA staff, and and uh, it's a. Steve Cohen has done a, a, a huge thing for the New York Mets. Oh yeah, it's it's totally different these days, Wally. It's totally different, but yeah, you know what? You you got to have the right people throughout the whole system, and right. he's got his work cut out for him still. But I think he'll figure it out and get it done. Yeah, I believe so too. The guy is Sandy Alderson, folks. That's the gentleman that, that of of whom we speak here. But we will move on from that. We'll talk about the guys that that you molded, Wally. Uh, the last Mets World Series in 2015, you had Harvey, Matt, Syndergaard, and uh, even Wilmer Flores played for you back then. And these guys are integral parts of the 2015 National League champions. Yes, they were. They were good players. They mm -hmm. were. I know that when, when I had them, uh, myself and my staff, I, everybody deserves a little bit of credit, you know, that they were prepared when they went to the big leagues. They knew what to expect, and I felt that they were prepared as well as they could be prepared to go to compete on a championship team, and, and that's what those guys did. And, and those players are the ones that they really deserve the credit because they don't have to listen everything that somebody says but but they were they were easy to communicate with and and i think it shows today they're still in the big leagues so um you know i could go on about some of those guys jacob de grom i mean i remember they sent him to me uh from double a and uh they let rafael montero pitch in yankee stadium because rafael montero had uh 
more experience than Jacob DeGrom, and so they were going to let Jake pitch against uh, the Yankees at, at Shea Stadium. And uh, I, I remember he pitched a decent game. Mm-hmm. And then I talked with uh, Terry Collins and Sandy Alderson. We talked, and they were saying, well, we think we're going to put him in. Terry and I joke about this all the time, that they were going to put Jacob DeGrom in the bullpen. And I, I'll never forget, I said, are you nuts? Yeah. I said, you can't put this guy in the bullpen. He's <laughs> a high-maintenance guy. He needs his work in between, you know, his four or five days or whatever. And uh, they kept Jake in the in the rotation, and I feel that I was a part of that to try to keep him in that rotation. Um, and, you know, again, the rest is history. What Jake's done has been amazing. I mean, he was great for the Mets. I'm, I'm sad to see that he left the Mets. Right. But I think the Mets are in pretty good shape this year. I do too, Wally. Now, one event that you have the pleasure of, of taking part in, especially now with, with the Long Island Ducks, is uh, telling a guy he's been signed and he's on his way back to affiliated ball, or better yet, he's on his way up to the show. Uh, how do you how do you go about doing that, Wally? Well, you know, you, you try to make it fun for the guys. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we had, I had Devin Marrero as a shortstop last year. And, uh, we sold him to the Mets. He ended up going to the big leagues. You know, and this is a kid that was a big time prospect at one time. And, and to see him go from independent ball in the Atlantic League back to the big leagues in the same year, it makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I had my day in the hay as a player, but to be able to help those players and get them to commit to doing the things that I felt, or as a group, as the organization felt, to get this guy back to the big leagues or to make him as good a player as we could make him, to give him an opportunity to get back. I feel that we did that. And the players, I think, appreciate those type of things. I've had a few. Yeah. That, you know, you, 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 you get knocked out of the big leagues, you, you lose your job in AAA, and you end up in independent ball, and then the next thing you know, you're in independent ball. And now you gotta find a way to get back and, you know, you get certain players that'll put in that effort to get back. And I've had a few of those and it's, it, it's nice to see those guys put in the effort and I still talk to a lot of those guys that have gotten back to the big leagues and, uh, you know, they've appreciated everything we did for them and it wasn't easy. Right. Um, and, and again, the player deserves the credit, not, it does, I don't deserve the credit. I, the credit is given to the players because they were willing to put in the work and the effort that they had to put in. Right. That That is the, the beauty of the Atlantic League is that it's full of guys who want to play because they love the game or they want to play because they want to get back and uh, play in the big leagues. And, and that's what's wonderful about the opportunity that you're giving the guys out there in Central Islip. But one more thing before we go, Wally. Uh, yes. The, in your day, they, they didn't really have the walk-up music like they do. Everybody's got their song, you know, when they come no, up I to know, the plate. Now, if you were playing today, what would be your song? I have no idea. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. You know, I I remember because, you know, my last name is back when I can remember when I went into 
Pittsburgh as a as a visiting player when I was with the Mets. I'd I'd when I'd walk up to the plate, they'd play Batman. <laughs> Not yeah. to say that that would have been my walk up song, but you know the different places that you went to, you know, they always tried to get into the players' nerves or whatever it was, but. No, I have no idea what my walk is. All right. Yeah, the guy in Atlanta is good for that with, uh, on the organ, playing little, uh, little ditties for the right. opposing players. Yeah. And I just want to let you know too, Wally, Pete Falcone, Bruce Bereni, uh, want to send their regards. They told me to send you their best. Oh, I love them. Tell them I said hi for sure. Will do. Now, Wally Backman, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for taking time out of your Sunday night to spend it with us back here on the island. We're looking forward to seeing you out at the Duck Pond. And uh, we wish you all the best for this season. Bill, thank you. I appreciate it very much. That's Wally Backman, ladies and gentlemen. Up next on Sports Talk New York, we will welcome in former Mets Southpaw, Jonathan Neese. Stick around, folks. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. All right, we are back. We're back with Sports Talk New York on WGBB here in beautiful downtown Merrick, Long Island, the garden spot of Nassau County. Winter chill still in the air here on Long Island. Uh, Super Bowl's over, thank goodness, but yet there is hope, folks, because in Florida and out in Arizona, the sounds of the crack of the bat and the ball popping into the mitt. Pitchers and catchers have reported to minor league baseball, to major league baseball camp, excuse me, maybe minor league as well. They have the minor league camps going as well. We are also, we're inside, thank you, Brian, we're inside the 40-day mark uh, until opening day, too. So we're moving right along. Uh, as, as it always reminds me, they asked Rogers Hornsby, uh, Google him, kids. One of the finest hitters in baseball history, Rogers Hornsby. W- they asked him what he does all winter without baseball, and he responded that he sits by the window and waits for spring to come. That's what he does. And uh, that's more or less what we do, too, when we're big baseball fans. We hope, we hope that we can... Uh, stoke the flames of the hot stove, the hot stove of baseball, as as it's known as, with our baseball guest tonight. And let's introduce our next guest. He is a former big league lefty with the Pittsburgh Pirates and, of course, the New York Mets. We're very happy to welcome him aboard tonight to talk some baseball with us. It's a pleasure to welcome in John Neese. John, good evening. We have a dial tone. <laughs> what happened? Oh, here we go. Okay, yeah. We lost uh, John Neese on the phone, folks. We will get him back momentarily. 
I just want to say hello to my friends listening out in Iowa. I uh, hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, gonna see them soon in Cooperstown. Friends from different backgrounds, different places in the, in the country, folks, all brought together because of their love of baseball. And that's what it's all about. And I think we have, we have John with us. John, good evening. John, you with us? Hey. There you go. Yes. All right. Now, the, John, I wanted to tell you right off, Bruce Bereni, uh, sends his regards. He went to Fairview, and you were, of course, in Defiance High, and uh, he told me that was a big rivalry. Yes, actually it was. Yeah. and uh, it, was, he's, it was actually it was, it was fun playing them every year. They were actually a tough team. That's, a, that's what uh, Bruce had mentioned. Bruce, of course, is uh, an 86 Met from the World Championship team. And an interesting thing about John Neese is he was born on the day the Mets won their second world championship. It makes some of us feel pretty old. <laughs> but, but that, that's, that's, uh, a distinction that no other person, uh, can claim in the Mets organization, John. Do you get reminded of that often? Uh, not, not really. I mean, when I was playing, I did. But, but now, not really. Yeah, okay. You, you grew up in Ohio, as we said. Who were your teams and sports heroes back then when you were a kid, John? Um, I followed the Indians mm-hmm. um, a lot. and I, I guess it would be, you know, Kenny Lofton, Jim Tomey, you know, that era. Of yeah. The Indians. Well, those were some great ball clubs. Carlos Baerga, right, and uh, Omar Vizquel. Yeah, yep. Some great ball players, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They were fun to watch, and they they won a lot too. So. They did. Yeah, they they were on. Uh, who was the skipper? Mike Hargrove, I think. Right. I think so. Yeah, I yep. believe uh, Mike Hargrove, the human rain delay, as they called him when he was a player, uh, was at the helm. Now, when you were at Defiance, uh, John, in high school, you played soccer as well. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I enjoyed that. That was. That was a sport that uh, all my buddies played, and uh, it was a good sport to keep me in shape for baseball. Yeah, definitely. Now, uh, you you go in the, the 2005 Major League Draft. Uh, the Mets choose you 209th overall, the ninth pick in the seventh round. If you didn't get picked by the Mets, you didn't get drafted, John, what would you be doing? Uh, what would you have done for a living? Uh well, I, I was going to go to uh, University of Cincinnati, and I was, mm-hmm. was going to play for them. Um, to be honest with you, uh, I, I really don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, my my family has a construction background, so I feel I feel like I would have, and I'm kind of a handyman a little bit, so I feel like I would have I would have gone that route in the in construction. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, it's good. It's good that you know a hammer from a nail, John, because I don't, and that gets me in trouble a lot. Now we're speaking with John Neese tonight on Sports Talk New York. Your major league debut was September second, two thousand eight, against the Brew Crew, and of course, as happens uh, on occasion, the first home run you you give up to your first batter, Ricky Weeks. You remember that? I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, and, and what did you throw? Yeah, they were, we were both in a playoff push, and uh, yeah, my first my first pitch of my career was a ball. It was like I believe it was like high and outside, and I'm like, oh man, I'm not going to be able to throw a strike. <laughs> I mean, I was yeah. so nervous, obviously, and then I was like, okay, just 
get the ball over the plate for get your first strike in and then you'll be all right and then my first strike <laughs> happened to Ooh. be a home run yeah and of course you have to be reminded john that was the first time in mets history that a pitcher gave up a home run to the first batter he faced. So you have that. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody uh, since then has done it, but that's a distinction right there that you can be proud of for sure. Well, not nice. That's <laughs> yeah. only something I can hang my hat on. Exactly, yeah. Now, your second start, a little bit different. September 13th of 08, uh, you get your first win. Nice game. Eight shutout innings against the Braves. And uh, do you remember that one? I remember that one too. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was my first game at Shea, and uh, uh, that was probably the loudest stadium I've ever pitched in, besides the World Series. In, yeah, in Kansas City. Yeah, it, it had a tendency. <laughs> we were just talking to, to Wally Backman. Do you know Wally, John? Uh, of course, I yeah. know Wally really well. Yeah, we Great just had, had Wally on the, on the program. We were talking about that night a couple of days before you were born in Game Six of the World Series against the Boston Red Sox. How how Shea had the ability to actually move. It, it would sway <laughs> yeah, a little sure. bit. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you could. Like, if you're in the clubhouse and uh, you you felt the you felt the stadium rumble, you knew something <laughs> could happen yeah. out there. <laughs> You didn't know what was happening. Yeah, you hope it was something good, that's for sure. <laughs> Usually it was. Yeah. Now, uh, the last start of the season, you lost to the Cubs. You you were 1-1 one one with a 7 ERA. Uh, how did you feel at the end of your first season? You, you uh, Did you feel like uh, you were going to hang in there? Uh, you wanted to go to the bullpen? Any, anything, any thoughts in that way? No, I, I knew I needed... I knew I was wanted to remain a starter, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I, I I feel like if it wasn't for that win against the Braves, I feel like I, if if it wasn't for that, I probably would have felt like I didn't belong. But since I had a, a taste of success in the big leagues, I still had that feeling of okay, I might be able to, I might belong, but. Um, I knew it was going to be a long road ahead. I, you know, my feeling was though I just didn't want the Mets to give up on me. Um, and then I went to big league camp, went back down to, um, to AAA and kind of struggled in the first half and then, you know, basically treated that season, um, kind of like a golf round. You know, you have a bad front nine. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, you just, you know, you go into the clubhouse, grab a hot dog and a and a Gatorade, and, and you know, just start over in the second half. And uh, you know, just just took one game at a time, and ended up turning my year around and got back up to the big leagues, and and had uh, you know had a lot of success, and then obviously was able to stay up. Right. Was that the year, John, that that you were brought up to replace Ali Perez? In two in oh nine, yeah, yeah, right. I okay. th- yep, yep, and that that's the year I, I got hurt. Um, and then that's uh, you know that was that was a, a tough recovery that off season. But uh, but I knew um, if I wanted to make the club out of big league camp, you know, and I had a good chance. Um, and they told me I had a good chance, so I uh, you know I really worked my butt off 
in that off season to get get healthy. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, I was able to uh, make the club out of big league camp and and stayed up ever since. Right, Oliver Perez, folks, look up that name too. There was a guy, John Ali Perez, who had a world of talent, but inconsistent as all heck. Um, it, there, there was one night I remember he was throwing to the backstop. It, it was amazing. <laughs> But uh, it happens. It happens to all of us. Yeah. Ollie's a great. <laughs> Ollie's a great guy, and he actually, he actually had a great career. I mean, and that's a testament to him too as a pitcher. Yeah. Because you know, a lot of a lot of pitchers, you know, to to be in the big leagues that long, you know, a lot of pitchers lose their stuff, and then a lot of when pitchers lose their stuff, they they tend to you know not stay in the big leagues. But he was able to resurrect himself figure it out and stay in the big league. So I, I actually commend him for that. You're exactly right, you know, John. He, he did he did get a lot of flack in, in New York, but you know, overall his career was really good. Yeah, old Ollie, yeah. Um I believe, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll have to look it up later on, but I believe he pitched in the major leagues this past season. I and, think so, yeah, which and, is amazing. Yeah, that, that's that's he, longevity. He was, he was he was a veteran when I was a rookie. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. he, it was crazy how how long he could pitch. It was like Bartolo. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, he's going it's on forever. Amazing. It's amazing. It's like I don't know how these guys do it. Yeah, Ali Perez, <laughs> don't step on the foul line. Yeah, jumps over the foul line every time, folks. Yep. Look, well, look yeah. up Ali. Now that injury, John. Let's talk about that. I, I remember that you, you were running to cover first base, and uh, boom! Right, the the hamstring. Yeah, I went to I went to yeah I went to stretch, and and my cleat just flipped from underneath of me, and basically just did the splits and just popped my hamstring. And and at the time, I mean, I, it didn't really hurt at all. Um, it just, it felt like a stretch. Yeah. You know, so I, I got up, I walked around, nothing hurt at all. Training staff came out and, uh, you know, they asked you how I felt. And I'm like, man, you know what? I, I feel fine. I'm just, you know, just gotta, you know, let me take my time, catch my breath, you know, and then just let me throw a warm up pitch, make sure I'm good. And then when I threw that warm up pitch, it felt like somebody shot me in the back of the leg. Yeah. It hurt so bad. But, uh, but yeah, when I was talking to the doctors and asked them how, you know, how that happened, I was like, please explain to me how I could, I got up and walked around and then all of a sudden it just popped on me. And he, and the doctors basically said that when you stretched, you, you, you tore your muscle. Um, and it was basically hanging by a thread on, on that bone and your mm-hmm. adrenaline was going so much, you probably didn't feel it. But then when it, when you threw that pitch, it popped completely off the bone and then that's when the pain. Yeah. <laughs> up. Wow. Unbelievable. But, We're speaking with John Neese tonight on Sports Talk New York. Now I want to ask you about a specific situation during your career. Do you ever talk to your buddy Carlos Beltran? Um, I haven't in a while. He's back with the Mets, I'm, by the way. <laughs> I I seen that. I yeah. read that. I read that he's up in the front office. Yeah, he got a job at the front office. The Mets brought him back, uh, and and that that's one guy. And uh, I'm not a big. Uh, I was never overly offended by the Astros and what they did. I I imagine that stuff happens a lot more 
than you think it does. And I, I think he got kind of a bad rap. And I, I do think he's going to be elected to the Hall of Fame one day. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. I mean, Belchon, he, he's probably one of the, the biggest and best professionals I've ever played with. Um, just does everything the right way. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's kind of tough in the, in the, in the situation, in the, in the era of baseball with, with video and the video rooms and just everything. You know, baseball was, was evolving at that time. And it was, it's kind of like, you know, I'm not sure what rules were set in place with video. And obviously now it's, it's, it's different, but you know, at the time it's like, Guys, like you said, a lot of guys were, you know, looking for that edge, you mm-hmm. know, with the with the technology they had. So, <laughs> yeah, that, no, it's it's just uh, something that happens. I, I I believe. I mean, John, they were talking about Bobby Thompson in 1951 when he hit the home run to win the National League pennant off Ralph Branca at the old Polo Grounds. That the Giants had a guy in center field relaying the signs to the hitter i mean it, it it's been going on forever in baseball you, like you yeah, say you got to get yeah, the edge always, yeah there's there's always ways around it too I yeah mean, you can do multiple signs we so matter of fact you know we we've always thought you know at, at certain places that that was happening so you know even with no but no runners on we always had multiple signs and it usually took care of itself if it if in in fact it was happening so you know there's always there's always ways around it um and then obviously (laughs) yeah you you can you can handle matters uh, different ways but uh but yeah changing the signs is always something that pitcher and catcher can do to to stop the sign stealing now carlos helped you take care of your breathing problem how's your breathing doing Oh, it's amazing! I was actually thinking about that today. As a matter of fact, yeah, it's like, it's like man, I it's 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 amazing the difference. But yeah, anybody with a deviated septum would know that uh, it's it's a it, it's a huge difference when you get it fixed. Yeah, good good uh, good public service announcement there, John. And either that, folks, <laughs> look up Carlos Beltran, and he may uh, he's like an insurance plan. He may take care of that for you, folks. So check out Carlos. Now you also had a rotator cuff injury, John. Yeah, it was minor. I, I didn't. I never had surgery on it, but uh, that was just basically time and rest. But just little wear and tear. Nothing yeah. serious. Okay. You made some train some changes during during spring training one year to alleviate some of the strain. Uh, that you had on your arm in the past. Who was working with you from the organization on that, John? Oh, geez. One, what year was that? <laughs> I was, I have, I've you had a lot of trainers. Me. I mean, Ray, <laughs> Ray, Ray, Brian, uh, Chicklo, Ray Ramirez, Brian yeah. Chicklo, John Zajac, <laughs> um, my, right when I got into the big leagues, it was Jeff Cavalier, um, that's a that's a name from the yeah. past, but yeah, they, they were all they were all really great. Instrumental, yes. Now, now the, there's a particular game I'm thinking about now, uh, Subway Series at Yankee Stadium. You're on the bench. Uh, Juan Lagares is up to to the plate, 
and uh, you got a problem with the balls and strikes, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that was that was Doug Edding. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> I, I I love the guy; he's a great guy. But you know, sometimes he struggles a little bit. And, you know, it's you know, it's it's one of them things. You know, you're you're even though you're not playing, you're, I'm still competitive. So, yeah, you know, my my competitive spirit gets to me sometimes, and I'm all and I'm always trying to back up my teammates. So, <laughs> but yeah, that was. That was, you know, and it's like, you know, one call here and there, you know, okay, whatever, you know, figure it out. But when, when calls are consistently getting, getting screwed up, you know, then, then I usually say something and, and I get it, you know, umpires, they, you know, they have bad days too, but, you know, I think that was my competitive spirit coming out. <laughs> was, was there just the fact that you were riding him, John, or was there one particular magic, uh, magic moment that got you tossed? Uh, I don't think so. I I forget what I I, I forget what I said. <laughs> but uh no, it, I I didn't say anything really bad or or anything personal. It was just I think I think it was like a culmination of of <laughs> just riding them for over and over. Yeah. And, and, so, and he had but, a- and I think I think everybody everybody on on the bench was was getting after him and I was I, was, I think I was I might have been the loudest and he got sick of it. And there you go. All right. Now, now in 2015, you move on, unfortunately. You get sent to the Pirates. The Mets get Neil Walker, the second baseman, in return. How did you feel leaving the Mets, John? Uh, you know what? It, it was, I don't know. I, I had, I had mixed feelings. You know, I, all my buddies were with the Mets, you know, and, you know, I figured with the Pirates, it'd be a, a fresh start, new beginning. Um, obviously just didn't work out. I got, I got hurt with them and, you know, came back, you know, with the knee and then, then they trade me back to the Mets and then I hurt my knee again. And, you know, just unfortunately that's actually what ended my career. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and you also, uh, were drafted by the Ducks and Wally manages the Ducks, uh, out here in central Islip. You never played for them though, did you? No, no, I yeah. was actually in in spring training with them, and then uh, and then I got a call with the uh, from the Mariners, and they asked me to play on their AAA team. So I so, took that uh, yeah. I took that opportunity, and Better actually had a really good time. Get back to affiliated ball, yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your repertoire, John. Uh, tell us about what pitches you threw. Um. I started off my career with, you know, just four seam, two seam fastball, mm-hmm. curveball and changeup and then um and then I developed a cutter um when I was in double A and that the cutter actually in my opinion is is what got me to the big leagues and what kept me in the big leagues. You know, it was one of them pitches where, you know, cuz you know, my I don't really have particularly have overpowering stuff especially in today's standards you know i was just you know 90 to 92 mm-hmm. um had a decent decent curveball but i think you know one of the like i said my best pitch to keep the right-handed right-handed hitters honest was that cutter and you know being able to to work the cutter in and out and in and out of the plate is really helped me who worked with you on the cutter john uh ricky bonus Ah, he, uh, okay. he was my pitch. Yeah, he was yeah. my pitching coach in Double A, and 
you know, it was, it was one of them things. He suggested it and, you know, he, he showed me how he threw it. He threw his and, um, he, he basically just told me, you know, start, start, uh, playing catch with it on flat ground and then, you know, uh, work on it in your bullpens and then, you know, when it gets better and you feel comfortable, use it in the games. And I started using it in the games and, and, uh, I, it was, like I said, that pitch really helped me get to the big leagues. Yeah. Um, in my fine. opinion. And, who, yeah. who would you say, John, throughout your career was your best teammate? Oh, jeez, all of them. Yeah. Uh no, they they were all good. I I got I was I get I got along with everybody to be honest with you, except um, Doug Eddings. D- <laughs> well, he's an umpire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, not David. David was a great, great leader, great teammate. Um, yeah. You know, always, always said the right things, always got along with everybody, and, um, yeah, I'd say, you know, David was a great captain. We're looking for him to have his number retired, uh, coming up soon by the Mets, uh, I'll put a little suggestion out there that, uh, and I'm yeah, sure I think it's, it's, it's very deserving. For a sure. lot of people, like you say, John, would agree with me that that, that is, uh, most deserving. David Wright, a lifetime Met, and he really, he really gave his all to the ball club, and uh, I, I I agree. A yep, good soldier. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He was playing. He was playing with a really bad back injury, and you know I think he was a lot of the reason we got to the World Series in '15 too. A, a good character man, that's for sure. How yep. How about your best skipper, John? Who would that be? Oh, jeez. Who Who did I have? I had. I had Willie, and then I had Jerry, and then I had Terry. Then I had um, in in Pittsburgh. Um, I would say Terry was great. You know, yeah. he, um, he him and I kind of bumped heads. You know, but you know what I loved about Terry was he was he was just as competitive as I was. So you know that's the reason why sometimes him and I bumped heads. But uh, but we really respected each other in that in that sense is that we were both just as competitive as one another. So uh, I thought he he was one of my favorites. I had just read John uh, speaking to Terry that uh, he he may. Well, he was up for a job, a front office job with the Marlins. I'd hate to see him leave the Mets because uh, a great baseball man, a great baseball mind. But uh, I yeah, read that yeah, the, the I, Marlins. Yeah, I, I read that too. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what uh, transpires as far as that goes. I asked Wally a similar question, John. I'm going to ask you the same question. These days, everybody's got their music. Everybody's got their walk-up music. The, the uh, music that they warm up to, pitchers, Jacob deGrom had Simple Man, Leonard Skinner. What would be your music yeah. these days, John? These days? Oh, jeez. Um, I, I love I loved Ted Nugent. I, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I walked up to him. Uh, oh, man. I, I, I am a big country fan, too. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know what. I would have to really think about that one. Maybe <laughs> Wango Tango. That's right. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Well, John Neese, it's been a pleasure. I thank you for taking time out of your Sunday night to spend it with us back here in New York. Uh, we thank you for making New York uh, a stop along the road for you, and we wish you and the family all the best in the future. All right. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. 
Thanks again, John. That's John Neese, ladies and gentlemen. That'll do it for me tonight on Sports Talk New York. I'd like to thank my guests once again, Wally Backman, Jonathan Neese, and, of course, my engineer, Brian Graves, and you folks. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next on March 5th. Till then, be safe, be well. Bill Donahue wishing you a good evening, folks. expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.